Eat, Drink, Smoke. Good to be with you, everybody. Tony Katz, along with April D. Gregory and Fingers Malloy, where we eat the fine food, we drink the fine bourbon, and we smoke the fine cigars. We're here at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. BlendBarCigar.com. Drew Maddich uh, joins us in town, dear friend from Hollywood. And, of course, uh, he is uh, my unofficial sommelier. I mean, the level of wine knowledge the man has is absolutely remarkable. And in his honor, in his honor right here, we're starting with the wine. Now, give me that bottle, April D. Gregory. Give me that bottle right there, if you don't mind. We're going with the red. This is the Pine Ridge Vineyards, which is sold here at Blend Bar uh, Cigar. This is a Napa Valley Cabernet. Now, Drew, let me, let me take it to you for a second, because first things first. When I say you're a wine guy, I mean you've got a wine cellar that... If you were an enthusiast, would cry over in terms of its, its, its beauty. I have quite a few bottles. I right. have uh, maybe 500 at home and another 500 off campus. Off campus? Yes. Yeah. He has 500 bottles off campus. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. The only time you had 500 bottles is when they still sold two buck chuck. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Ugh. So, I mean, when we talk, when we talk wine, people will. The, the most the, the most familiar thing they know is the movie Sideways, and I'm not drinking any blanking Merlot. Right. right, which destroyed the Merlot business, by the way. That movie, Paul Giamatti in that movie, and Thomas Hayden Church, by the way. You're welcome, everybody. Destroyed Merlot for years. And Pinot went through the roof. Right. Pinot Noir went through and the roof. And do you, is Pinot Noir worth drinking? Oh, it's definitely worth drinking. It's probably among the, the least that I drink just because it doesn't go with as much of the foods that I eat. I'm, I'm a steak guy. So Cabernets... Are, are probably the best for steak. So talk to me about what Napa Valley does in dif- difference from France, different from Italy. What is it that Napa Valley can do in terms of the grape, the varietal, the soil that others can't? Napa Valley can make it much more expensive <laughs> than France or Spain or Italy or a- any of them. Why is that? Why, why, why is it more expensive from those places? Well, it's all, I mean, it's so much of it is marketing, isn't it? I mean, and supply and demand. I mean, the, 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 the high-end cabs now are, well, the high, high-end cabs are $1,500 a bottle. But, you know, there are, there are Cabernets that are $150, $200, $250 without blinking. Are they worth the, the very idea of the money? Because I, I get this question on cigars all the time. Is a $50 cigar really worth it? And the answer is sometimes... But uh, there is a, a, a brick house. We've we've reviewed the brick house here before. The brick house cigar you can buy for seven dollars a stick, and it's excellent. That is absolutely the answer. I mean, you know, Pine Ridge is a sixty dollar bottle. Okay. Larkmead Solari is a two hundred dollar bottle. Is it three times better? No. But it's still terrific. Now we're drinking the the, the Pine Ridge Cabernet. Uh, 2015. The ratings on this depends on where you go. Like like a wine.com rating is is four and a half stars. Yes. You know, out of five, not out of ten. April D. Four and a half out of five, and it's it really is it is a something. Now you're a wine drinker, uh, April D. You like I mean, you're more of a champagne drinker than anything else. Oh, like I, if you if you have your choice, if you have your druthers, if you have your options. It's champagne all the way. Right, no, but I really do like red wine. So where are you? with? Have you even tried it yet? No, I haven't tried because it I'm yet. trying to get the Facebook going. The Facebook is going. Don't be ridiculous. We stream, by the way, facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio. So if you're ever listening to the podcast when you subscribe on iTunes and you want to be like, hey, what does Fingers Malloy really look like? First, uh, get yourself over uh, to Tinder. 
Then, then, if I were you, I would check out Facebook.com slash Tony Katz Radio, and you can see it. Take a sip, April. I did. Take, all right, so where are you I on like this? I like it. I like it. It's, it's easy. It's an easy cab. <laughs> That's yeah. too easy. Wow. <laughs> uh, no, it's not as maybe... Got rough quick. It, it's black, heavier. It, it's, yeah. Take another taste. It's okay. black cherry for days. Black cherry. Now a that's a, that's a rough one, right? When we talk about flavors out of cigar, it you, it takes time to develop that palate to be able to difference between fruit and black cherries. But by by the very by the very virtue of the fact that I told you black cherries, you're going to taste it now. So you can BS your gonna, way through anything, and it's going to be black cherry. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know. I drink a lot of cab, and this is a cab, so it is. A cab. <laughs> But, I mean, is this one where you're like, okay, I'm fine with this in a restaurant. If this is what they served me before I had dinner, I'm good. If this is the, 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 the wine with my, are you a ribeye woman or are you I a filet? See, I knew it. I knew you weren't a filet woman. This is why we're friends. Um, is this something you'd pair with? You'd be like, hot damn, that's worthwhile. Um, I, yes, I would. But now that I see the other bottle on the table, that's all I'm thinking about the is other that bottles, Cab Franc. I, I, we can't even tell you about. We can't even tell. We can't tell you it's there. Drew, it's a Cab Franc, and that's my favorite thing. Drew had a thousand in his reserves. He only has 998 now, and because he brought us two bottles of beer on the wall. We, we, yeah, we can't even uh, share this. Fingers, as we know, you only drink wine out of a box. Um, what do you think? Out of a two-liter bottle, actually. Oh, uh, good man. Am I supposed to do this? I see a lot of people when they're drinking wine, they do this. You're like, they, open yeah, it do up. that over your computer and yes. over the mixer and yes. over the microphone. Right? <laughs> That's just I'm in a, under total control. And by the way, sight no. gags work really well on a podcast. They really do. You might, like he's doing a Dairy Queen blizzard, everybody. He's going to turn it over in a second, see if it sticks right there. I mean, but really the swirling of it is about opening it up, right? Absolutely. Uh, getting, oxygenating the, the wine. Getting air in there, getting some of the smells out of it. That tastes nothing like the Sun Country Golden Wine Coolers I used to have in high school. Well, you know what it's supposed to taste like? Zima. Uh, just like Boone's Zima. Farm. So we're happy with the wine. And now, one of the things they, they told they, we talked about at Blend is that this is a wine that works very well with the cigar that we're going to do, which comes from the Arturo Fuente family. We'll get into that in this a bit. This will pair great with a cigar. Okay. It's got, it's, it's got some smoke in it from the oak and the barrels, and that's going to go really well with the cigar. That's Drew Maddich. Drew Maddich, M-A-T-I-C-H, on the Twitter box, if you want to follow him. Now, Drew, we're going we're gonna to move you out. And we're going to bring in, we're going to make them walk around. Jim Garrity from National Review is here. Now, everybody's in town in Indianapolis because of the NRA convention, National Rifle Association. This is not a conversation about politics, right? Not right-left stuff. It's just that people are here. And the National Rifle Association, man, made some big, big news over the weekend. And we're, like, we're at the epicenter of it. And so we, we want to dig into that. But with, with, with uh, the one and only right here, um, uh, Jim Garrity. And, dude, it is good to see you. Welcome uh, to, to Indianapolis. Joe Biden makes the official announcement that he's running for president. And thank goodness that the Democratic Party has this old white guy to save them. <laughs> He is so, he honestly, he should have his own color at Sherman Williams, Biden White. <laughs> right? Oh Biden White is, is like Bernie Sanders. We always Sand have the best ideas on right? this show. It's, Biden White is Bernie Sanders White, but without as much pizzazz. Basically, <laughs> is how he gets described. Um, this, is, this is a real conversation amongst, oh, yeah. amongst the, the political left. Yeah. Is, is there such a thing 
as you can't vote for him. He's you can't vote for another white guy. It's too white. Yeah. Is this going to play against him? Uh, look, uh, first of all, Tony, it's really good to see you. Fingers, it's good to see you. It's been a bunch of years. Um, your your city and your community is wonderful to be here. Um, but yeah, listen, if Biden would be in better shape if the number two, arguably, you know, Democrat in the race wasn't Bernie Sanders. If the previous guy who's somewhere in that top five who was really exciting was Beto O'Rourke. And if the guy who was the hot flavor of the month that everybody was getting excited about was Indiana's own Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg? Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Really? Yes, it's Buttigieg. Someone is putting out misinformation about how to pronounce his name. Well, he's got a t-shirt that says Buttigieg. Right? Buttigieg. Okay. I heard it was... If you you want to get technical, he says Buttigieg. His husband says Buttigieg. See, that seems like the sort of thing you'd talk about before you got married. <laughs> right? That sounds like, like something that would work this. out. So, uh, it's, so it's, it's, it's not Booty Judge. It's not Booty Judge. All right, because President Booty Judge sounds like a reality show. No. Um, which wait, means it could that, work. Wait, is that what we have right now? There. <laughs> so, Pete. Uh, look, so you look at that. Four of, the, t- the, the, four of the, the leading candidates, probably out of that top five, maybe Kamala Harris is in there, are white males. And so they go, oh, my goodness, this is the most diverse uh, uh, group of candidates we've ever had. Look, it's practically a Benetton ad. We got a Latino. We've got these uh, we got an African American woman. They go down the list um, and and the, the, you know, all of a sudden the, 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 the rising to the top are a bunch of white guys and in the case of Sanders and uh, uh, Biden, septuagenarian white guys who've been around since I believe, I don't want to date yourself Tony, we've been in politics since before we were born. Oh, totally. Or, politics. Or certainly before you and I, were, I got out of kindergarten. But this is the, the political left that has decided that identity politics is everything and all yeah. the things. How in the world is he leading the polls if identity politics is real? There are, yeah. there, there are two opposite things happening. It's saying that it should be raining yeah. kind of in, in, in the middle. You've got everything, April, we've been told about identity politics. And I mean, it's so brutally on display everywhere. Joe Biden took on an advisor. Simone. Yes, uh, it used to be a Bernie Sanders campaign. Right. And when the Bernie when Bernie lost, well, well Bernie had the nomination stolen from him, and Hillary Clinton <laughs> lost, she went on the record to say that you need to have uh, people of color leading the Democratic Party because that reflects the Democratic Party. And we've had enough of white leadership. And now she's paid to consult yeah. Joe Biden. Clearly what she meant was we should not have another white male who isn't paying me. Right, uh, be the nominee. That's it, that's a very you know. And it's this funny how consultants us, will say anything you want them to say when uh, you're paying them. And if that brings us to this moment on the grift with Fingers Malloy, Fingers, um, she was she was standing up for uh, the the women of color, and now when there's a paycheck involved, uh, what's her, Simone? What's her last name? I'm forgetting. Um, she she uh she's all of a sudden okay with Joe Biden. What say you? I'm shocked. Knowing the amount of political consultants that I know, I cannot believe that someone would sell out their principles for a paycheck. I'm shocked, Tony. Now, now, Fingers, this moment's on the grift brought to you by Fingers Malloy. If they send you just $3, what will you do if, if, if they send respond to your email? This, this is kind of like that Klondike bar yeah. challenge. Well, you know? Save democracy, ladies and gentlemen, by sending $3 to me at Scampack. Which I started last week, uh, but I'm completely honest about Scam Pack. I'm only uh, forming it to buy myself a beach house. Scam Pack, by the way, is short for Secure and Control America's Money. Uh, <laughs> wow! 
are so freaking in. We're going to be loaded. We're so good. Oh, my God, right there. That's Jim Garrity of National Review, G-E-R-A-G-H-T-Y. That's how you spell his name. Uh, the Weed Agency is one of his books. You can buy at Amazon.com or fine books are sold. Heavy Lifting, which he wrote with a guy by the name of Cam Edwards, who has a show on NRA TV. He'll be here in a little bit. You can check out that book as well. Simone Sanders is her name. I just couldn't there remember. There you go. She worked for Bernie Sanders. Her name is Simone Sanders. They don't look anything alike. Um, <laughs> no relation. In, in, when we take a, uh, 21 people right now yeah. in, in the Democratic field, Jim, 21 people. April is thinking of jumping in, figuring what the hell. Might as well. It, it can't hurt. Make she, a little money. She thinks she has more Native American blood than Elizabeth Warren. She's good. I do. Wait, what? I do. We've had this conversation so many times. But Tony, I, I, I wasn't paying attention. Tony, a 26-year-old can't run for president of the United uh, States. Uh, <laughs> look at you. Uh, see? Yes. She looks at, Cor- as, uh, at Representative Cortez as her elder. You're absolutely, <laughs> you're absolutely correct. Um, how does this field, as you see it, you live in D.C., you're, you're far more uh, connected uh, to it, unfortunately, for you. How does this field break down? Where, where do the voters go? I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. There are no, I don't believe that there is a Beto O'Rourke voter when you can vote for Pete Buttigieg. It just doesn't make any sense. Buttigieg eats his lunch. I'm not saying I'm a fan of his policies. I'm saying you just eat, it's just, just destructive in terms of do you want the guy who's cool, calm, and collected, or do you want flailing arm guy who looks like Kermit on a bender? Pete is doing Beto's shtick from last year better than Beto is, right? Like, a, I'm the fresh face. By the way, it's, it's also, by the way, the level of critical coverage. Beto O'Rourke was not ready for this at all. No. Beto O'Rourke was used to, hi there, I'm Lone Star Jesus. Yeah, the, the, the coverage of last year. Hold on, you made April just spit out her wine. What? I, I thought Lone Star Jesus. I t- By the I, way, if that is not a show Hollywood produces tomorrow, we are all doomed. Yeah. Holy doomed. Yeah. Um, when I, was, I wrote a lot about the Texas Senate race last year. And the observation, the sheer number. Look, Better O'Rourke was on the uh, Veterans Committee in the House. He did give some criticism of the VA back during those scandals in the Obama years, so give him credit for that. However, an enormous number of people because of that believe that Better O'Rourke is a veteran. He is not. All right, let's look at it. A lot of people, because of that first name, you kept seeing headlines in places like NBC News. Latino Democrats see hopes in Beto O'Rourke. Now, a headline like that might very much be believing that Beto O'Rourke is a Latino. No, he's not. You read the life story of Beto O'Rourke, and you keep waiting for the exciting accomplishments to start. Because there's the band, he's trying to publish an uh, uh, alternative newsletter, he kind of, you know messes around in his 20s. You know, this is a guy, you could have written this alternative narrative of child of privilege, goes off to boarding school, daddy's a judge, gets him out of trouble at the DUI. You know, all, you know, there's a lot. I, I, a couple weeks, uh, months ago, I made the comparison of Beto O'Rourke to uh, George W. Bush. And no one liked that comparison. No, Not, not the Bush would. fans, not, not the O'Rourke fans. But the you know, child of privilege, troubles with alcohol early in life, took a while to find themselves, got into Texas politics. Uh, you know, Okay. But you know, the, there's this, like, better or work is something of an empty suit. And all of a sudden it's being exposed and you're beginning to realize that 80 million... Something he, of an empty suit. Yes, That's yeah. great. You're so kind. He, he looks good. He does? He, he does. fills out that suit physically Wait, whoa, well. Whoa, whoa, you know? whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Let's just stop. Beto O'Rourke is an attractive man, April D. Gregory? He is. And that's... No. no. I wouldn't expect you to think so, but... No. Uh, my unobjective female 
straight opinion is yes. I don't I'm have. I'm not going to be okay. I don't have an opinion on that, but I did see Lone Star Jesus open up for Amy Grant in 1988, and it was oh. a fantastic show. <laughs> he's been biting his tongue. He's been waiting five waiting minutes that. for that. Better Resort is not attractive. It's Stop. not okay. It's not just Can't coming happen. up with that. It's just the right musical act. Right. Just the right year and just the right circumstances. You, you got a couple of it all together. Hold on a second. I've got Amy Grant references, which, by the way, if you had that on your bingo card. Congratulations. Go see the bookie for your winnings. But I can't. Uh, April and I are actually in, an, in, in a fight right now. And she doesn't even know that she's in a fight. How can you consider they do better not or put ugly attractive? people on the cover of Vanity Fair. I'm sorry. They don't. My, I don't know. There you know. There. I, there's I, the other. There's my references. That's, that's on Vanity Fair. I'm pretty sure that is the kind of climate science that got Joe us the Biden Green New Deal. Joe Biden is not on Vanity Fair. Yet. Yet. Because he's an old white guy. He's not the young, attractive white guy. Beto O'Rourke is the young, attractive white guy? Beto O'Rourke. In, in, of the 20 people in the field, yes. See, this is the kind of thinking I didn't understand in the 90s when you heard women talk about how attractive Bill Clinton was. And I'd look at it and be like, really? He was, he was rugged handsome back then. Whoa, what? Whoa, all right. <laughs> rugged, my dear. Also, also <laughs> younger... W. Bush is also handsome. Younger, but W. Bush. Give me the bottle of horse soldier bourbon. I'm just going to take it right from the bottle right there. But good time to do a sponsor break, everybody. Uh, thrilled to have horse soldier bourbon as a sponsor of the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Absolutely love these guys. The story of the horse soldiers uh, is that when September 11th happened, uh, there were about six weeks afterwards, there was a group of guys that were flown into Afghanistan to go after al-Qaeda. Where they were flown into, there was no way to get to Al-Qaeda except by horse. And so that's how the horse soldier was born. It was the first time soldiers took horses into battle since the cavalry. Uh, they, they got out, those who survived, they said, what do they want to do with their lives? And they wanted to do something that would, that would make them happy, make their families happy. They wanted to create, and they made horse soldier bourbon. And they didn't just say, ooh, look, we survived. Let's put our name on a label. They learned how to distill. They traveled the globe. And they make unbelievable bourbon. They make rise. Uh, this one right here is their barrel strength uh, bourbon. This is not uh, joking around for those people uh, playing the home game. 114 proof uh, right here. It's available uh, at liquor stores all across Indiana now. We live in Indiana, and uh, they're, they're here. You can find them. They're actually based out of Florida and just fantastic people. American Freedom Distillery is where you go and you find out more about them. You can order the bottles there, go into a local store, whether you're in Indiana or elsewhere, tell them you heard about it on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Uh, they're fantastic people. This is Horse Soldier Bourbon, uh, sponsors of Eat, Drink, Smoke, and thrilled that they're there. Okay, I'm not going to... Boy, not am I going to give this one a good home. Yeah, God bless you. You're, you know what you are? You're a giver. That's right. Like stray cats, you take in bottles of, of, of bourbon. I'm no longer speaking to April D. Gregory about what's attract. First Tom Brady and now Beto O'Rourke. I'm out. Uh, and I'm, Rick Ocasek. I I'm would, out. <laughs> Wait, she never said Rick Ocasek is good looking. Oh, all the time. Who? <laughs> That's how old you are, everybody. Rick Ocasek, The Cars. Did you not know? There's a band called The Cars in the 80s. Uh, right, but I don't know. Uh, uh. Paulina Portskova. That's who he married. It only proves that rock and roll is everything. And look at you, you got into politics, which is Hollywood for ugly people. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't the whole song, Who's Gonna Drive You Home, all about her, or am I misremembering? I don't know. There's a whole, that whole video is can, about can somebody. You, can you hum a few bars? Jim Garrity? Who's National gonna drive you home I know that song. tonight? He wrote that about a Stel Gettys. That's your story. <laughs> oh that, that's a, it's easy to mix those two up. Thank you, Fingers. <laughs> uh, 
By the way, uh, uh, Golden Girls in the same show. Who who would have who would have who, who, who said I don't have my finger on the pulse of pop culture? You're 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 assessing the top five Democrats right now, Jim Garrity. Who are they? Uh, okay, Biden, Sanders, uh, Harris. I'll put O'Rourke in there. I, I'm gonna no. actually, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise you and no. say I'm not gonna put uh, uh, Mayor Pete in there. Oh, I think Mayor Pete is winning wrong. the media primary. I think he's winning the coverage primary. I think when push comes to shove, um, you know, he's on the young side. Uh, I read his book. Um, did you really? I did. Oh, so Shortest I, Way Home, right? Yes. Uh, so look, so I, for almost all the candidates, okay, for the first eight big-name candidates, I was writing segment, uh, pieces for National Review called 20 Things You Probably Didn't Know About Each One of These Candidates. And my, my fear is that you know, I did it, you know, and I read through the books. This was not slam pieces. It was generally stuff you may or may not have known about these people and a lot of these no one has been clamoring for a uh, Eric Swalwell 20 things you probably didn't know about him <laughs> a Tim Ryan a uh, you know they, they, all half of these candidates and they, I'd say between myself and between like CNN saying hey if you announce you're running for president we're going to give you one hour of prime time live before a, you know, a, a, an audience is going to ask you questions like I think my health care insurance is too expensive. What can you do for me? Right. And your job is to emote in front of the audience. And to, I understand, I, you know, some variation of the, look, it's Bill, I have a cigar in my hand. Bill Clintonian, I'll feel <laughs> your pain. I've been thinking about nurses myself a great deal. Holy cow. Right, you let, Hold Tony. on a second. Estelle Getty. Um, I forgot even the first reference. Uh, and, and now Bill Amy Cl Grant. Amy Grant, <laughs> yeah. Estelle Getty, Bill Clinton impressions. Please get that on an NPR podcast, people. Holy cow. Um, <laughs> I mean, come on. Where, what great. other podcast are you going to get that on? Shapiro? Not happening. <laughs> can we talk God about, bless Ben Shapiro. Can we talk about the fall guy for a little bit while we're at it? Who's the fall? I, I, don't, I don't do Lee Majors. Um, <laughs> is, that a, is that a Stephen Bochco film, uh, show? Farrah Fawcett did. It sounds like it probably That's a whole different thing. Um, so, so Harris, yeah. Biden. Um, Stop hitting the table. You're oh, killing God, me. It's a drum solo. Yeah. Um, Harris, I'm going to surprise Biden. you. I'm going to surprise you and say uh, Cory Booker. You think he's in the top five? Yeah, the I, I, center this, from New this Jersey. This is my kind of my wild card. This I is my surprise. So wrong. Um, why? Wait. Why do you think he's so wrong, April? Stand up to the man. No. I don't think Cory Booker or well, maybe Cory Booker, but definitely not Beto. Definitely not Beto. 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 If you can't pronounce his name. Robert. Thank you. Thank you. Much, much better. Robert Back. Francis O'Rourke. Yes. Um, that's the whitest name ever. Yes. <laughs> and he's boring. Well, yeah, it sounds like he should be the, the Kennedy's neighbor. He you know, is, the, the, the he one who took the fall for some sort way. of terrible scandal. You know? yes. I mean, that's, I mean, your point, Fingers, might is still taken. Yeah, he's I, boring as sin. I count Beto O'Rourke's when I can't sleep at night. <laughs> so He's a bore. Beto O'Rourke is going to run a, a, a substance-free campaign. And Shocked. I think Democrats eat that up with a, with a spoon. Pete Buttigieg has already admitted he's going to run a, a, a campaign like that. Um, right? This, this is going to be, you know, brighter futures and better tomorrows. And I uh, dream of, you know, the dreams. It's going to be a variation of the Whitney Houston rhetoric. I believe that children are our future. Oh, God. <laughs> Teach them well once. and they will lead the way. Show them the beauty they possess inside. Getting misty. Amy Grants, <laughs> Estelle Getty, uh, uh, Whitney Houston. Uh, I believe the children are our future. What was the fourth one? Bill Clinton impression. Bill Clinton impression. The only thing the that fall guy. that you only, well, fall guy oddly enough was in a different row. The, uh, oddly enough, it was it was in a different row. Uh, if you had James Spader, 
Uh, you would have you had full bingo. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No James Spader reference. That is too bad. So much more to get to. Now, subscribe on iTunes, by the way. Subscribe on iTunes uh, and, and make sure you get the podcast. Before I let everybody uh, go, although I can let you go. That's Jim Garrity, <laughs> by right. the way, uh, of National Review. It's, stick around. I'll, I'll, get to, okay. I'll get to one more thing here. I'll be lingering at the um, bar behind will you. Will you? Yes. Um, there is a story that we did about a guy for Lent that I wanted to, to get into with everybody. The Lent guy who drank nothing but beer for Lent, which as no, don't applaud. He that. gave up food for Lent. Right. You know what April D. Gregory gave up for Lent? Napping. I did. True story. She gave up napping because it, it, that's your health. I mean, that's unbelievably risky for your it's health. It's not at all risky. I, I take. I would take a nap every single day. I had to give it up. Yeah. When you nap, like, or when you sleep, do you have a fan on you? No. Okay. I have a fan on me when I sleep, and my fan is from Fanimation. So before we get to the story, see what I did there? I teased it. It's great. Fanimation, one of our great sponsors. Give me the fan. Give me the fan right here. If you watch the videos over on Facebook.com slash Radio, you will see the fans uh, behind me very often. Those are from Fanimation, Fanimation.com. They make incredible products. They're based here in Indiana. Uh, beautiful stuff for the home, uh, for the office. They'll even move the air in a place like Blend Bar Cigar, where a lot of people are smoking uh, cigars in styles and selections you've never even thought possible before, all at price points that'll work for you. So Fanimation are great people, and we're thrilled to have them. And uh, I don't know why I don't have this plugged in. Oh, because my computer doesn't have a proper USB drive. I've got Apple. Just stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Quit being all right? jerks. Right? You You're not plug. smarter than Steve Jobs. He did it the way he wanted to. You need to plug um, that into a CD-ROM, do you? Yeah, yeah if, if you could. If somebody has an external hard drive or maybe a floppy, uh, that'd be great. Uh, but this is Fanimation, Fanimation.com. Thrilled that they're sponsors. Back to the guy who drank nothing but beer for Lent. Stop applauding, Fingers Malloy. Lost 40 pounds. Says his mind is clearer. Says he feels better. The inflammation in his body is gone, April D. Gregory. How is that possible? Uh, that's amazing because beer is an inflammatory. So I'm, I'm wondering how he's basing the information. Um, but you know, you know that now Fingers Malloy is going to do this diet. I right? want to do it. I just don't know how I'm going to get through day three. Are you going to try it, Fingers? No. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> but I have a job. Was that, he drinking light beer? What kind of beer was he drinking? I don't know. I don't think it was O'Doul's. I think it was, you know, beer. Beer with alcohol content and Well, I mean, things. I could live on Guinness for 40 days. It's hardy. It is hardy. But to lose 40 pounds? He lost a pound a day. God only knows what going to the bathroom was like. How? There's that. But how has uh, a, a, a beer company... A beer distributor not contacted this guy and made them his chair. Doesn't he work at a brewery? He should, he should be this their Jared without yeah. all the bad touchy feely stuff with kids. He should be their Jared. <laughs> I'm Jared. Oh. I'm Add Jared to the list. You know what? Subway Congratulations. Jared. That's bingo. That's bingo. That's five. All right there. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. Eat, drink, smoke. As heard on Fox News. Eat, drink, smoke. Ooh. Eat, drink, smoke. Tony Katz, April D. Gregory, Fingers Malloy, Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. Cam Edwards, 
joins us uh, right now. Now, he is uh, my, my Second Amendment expert, but the podcast... What, it's 40 Acres and a Fool? 40 Acres and a Fool, yes. Because now, people don't know this. Maybe they don't know you or know this about you. Uh, that name comes from the fact that you live in a place called Farmville, Virginia. Yes. And you actually have a farm. And it is roughly 40 acres. And, and you raise all sorts of livestock. You have pigs, and you have baby pigs, which you affectionately refer to as... Bacon seeds. God bless America. Yes. <laughs> That's so great. Um, there, there's a story about bacon I want to get to, but I'm in, I pay more attention to farmers than ever before. I like, so on the food side of things, on the foodie side of things, the whole farm-to-table concept, which I think some people bastardize in a way that's just flat-out ugly. Farm-to-table actually has to mean there was a farm, they grew food, you got that food, and then cooked it and then served it to me in that restaurant. It doesn't mean that one time you saw an organic label on something that right. said that was enough. Like, I, I, I really do think people are kind of corrupting this whole concept because I happen to love the concept, right? Like, yeah. like do, you, do you deal with farms down there who... Because you don't have, like, a working farm, like, like no, no. corporate working farm, but you I, still I, I've have... Got a, I've, got a, I've got, you know, what I would call a hobby farm, right? right? I mean, it's not like I derive a lot of income from from what we raise on the farm. But, you're, yes, of course that, that, that phrase gets bastardized. I mean, look, it, it's a marketing tool now, right? And so even the, the sort of locavore... Uh, thing where everything is, you know, supposed to be coming local, is is kind of nonsense. Uh, at least for some farms, there's a place actually not too far from me that says everything is local, but their idea of local is within 150 miles of the restaurant, which That's is not, not local, local, right? That's not local, April D. Gregory. April is very crunchy, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Are you crunchy? I'm very crunchy. She's a crunchy. Well, there's nothing wrong with being crunchy. I do all the I do all the organic and. Yeah, but like when you when, when we're talking about farm, like you want it to actually be from a farm. Like there are places here that discuss there there are restaurants here in Indianapolis, they, Tyner Pond, and other ones. You you know these places, right? They they're actually from there. I don't know what I can trust if I'm someplace else, whether or not they're actually getting it from the local farm. Because I mean, you've got your forty acres, right? But there are other actual p- people who do work farms where you live. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, my my, my neighbor. You know, we actually share a pasture. Uh, and he raises Black Angus cattle. He's got probably 400, 500 head of cattle. Holy crap. I mean, that's a, right. that's that's a, a real That's farm. a real thing. Yeah. That's like Billy Crystal City Slickers kind of exactly. cattle. Exactly. Exactly. But that's not me. Uh, By but, the way, Billy Crystal City Slickers. It's a new bingo round, everybody. Just mark that one down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, that, but that's the thing is that, you know, most of the, most of the farms in this country are family farms, right? Especially when you're getting into the the livestock, the agriculture, but they may be contracted out to a big ag place. They may be, uh, uh, you know, like if you're a chicken farmer, uh, you're probably contracted with Tyson or one of the big companies. So you're raising the chickens there on your place, and it may be, uh, you know, a, a 50 or 60, maybe even 100-acre farm, but those chickens are then going to a, a big corporate ag producer, and I don't necessarily know that I would consider that to be organic or, or locavore or quote-unquote crunchy, right? Yeah, that's not it. Anything you buy from Tyson's is not local, organic, or crunchy. I don't know. Or I farm like, to table. I like me some corporate hormone-filled cannibal farm animals on my table. Oh, wow. Yeah? The cannibal farm animals actually can be quite tasty because then you get like the animal and the animal. Yeah. Yes. You know, right? So it's like double animal. It's a flavor enhancer. Exactly. That's also how you get mad cow disease. 
Well, I don't okay, think that's fine. how you get mad cow. That's how they got mad cow was from Downer. eating other cow. Wait, what? They were feeding the cows cow, and that's how they got mad cow disease. Is that really how it happens? Yes. Oh, that's nasty. That's just wrong. Yeah. They don't really do that anymore. Real- because of the whole mad cow thing. Right. Right. Like, they figured it out. I mean, they out. got caught, so. Yeah. I, did, I didn't know that's how mad cow... Is that how swine flu came to be, or is that a completely different mad cow? No, that's completely idea. different. That's Cam Edwards right there. He is... Uh, <laughs> He brought us to a screeching halt. Your, your swine flu expert. My, my, my goodness gracious. Um, you First, uh, I, I want to get into what we're smoking, and then there's a story that, as we're doing the podcast, is breaking. And I want to get into, and it's a Second Amendment story. Um, but, but first, I want to get uh, to, to the smoke, because we're here at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. They've got four locations. They're here in Indy. They're in Pittsburgh. They're in Nashville. They're in Houston. Incredible. The, the finest cigar lounge in America, if you get a chance to go, do go. A great bourbon selection, great liquor selection, incredible staff, a humidor that goes on for days, and we are smoking out of the Arturo Fuente family, the Casa Cuba, uh, divine inspiration. So this is an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Dominican filler right here. We're in a, uh, in a Corona Gordo here, so six and, a, six and an eighth by 47, so six and an eighth, you don't usually get to that, but 47's easy. Right, so that's that number refers to the ring gauge. How thick around a cigar uh, is usually up to sixty-four. Go ahead, thank you very much. You heard thick around, and (laughs) there was a giggle. (sighs) I'm a grown up. And then the other number is how long uh, the cigar is. So this is when you when you feel this. Like if you ever ask, hey, what does oily kind of feel like? This has got a good example of just a nice level of oily. I don't mind if it is a little more into the oily. You're usually going to get a, a much richer feel out of it. Again, I'm a much more of a fan of the Nicaraguans, but I think what, what the Ecuadorian wrappers lend a tremendous amount uh, to, to the smoke. Because it's got the Dominican binder and filler, you're going to get that spice, that peppercorn kind of thing that goes on. It's, it's not spice like, like, a, like a sriracha. It's, a, it's, it's spicy. It's just that, that overall flavor of what it's going to do uh, to, to the palate. This thing is certainly as all the cigars as, as we smoke them. First third, second third, final third. As you smoke through a cigar, you're going to get different flavor profiles every single bit uh, along the way. The thing that you'll notice as you're smoking this thing, construction. This is Arturo Fuente. These people aren't screwing around, April D. Gregory. They know how to make a cigar that's going to last. Now, as a price point, this could be an interesting golf course cigar because you can get it between $12, $14 a stick. You can get away with that. But this is definitely on the higher end of golf course cigars. There's just too much going on for me to waste it on a golf course. I want to be able to enjoy it with friends. I want to be able to enjoy it on the back deck. I wouldn't pick a windy day for this. You want to be able to give yourself some time. Even though it's only a six and an eight, you want to be able to give yourself some time and engage this cigar all the way all the way through. This is a mild to full-bodied cigar. Don't let the look fool you. I think this is a cigar that could lull you into being a, a medium, a light cigar. That's not this cigar. So this is uh, the Casa Cuba Divine Inspiration. It's the first time for me smoking this cigar, so I'm going to have a little bit more review uh, coming up. Back to the Second Amendment, yes. which, Cam, I, you have an expertise that very few people have, um, in, in not only in the, in, the, in the knowledge base of firearms, uh, but in the, the legislative side, I often discuss the fact that I'm a Second Amendment supporter. I'm not a gun guy, right? I can't give you 
levels of chapter and verse on different kinds of firearms and, and where the modification is and what kind. I, and, and I really, I don't get an enjoyment out of that. My belief in the Second Amendment is that I, I want to go home alive and I want, I, I want to see my kids. That is, that is the entirety of my thesis on the Second Amendment. It's why I don't understand guys like, like Representative Eric Swalwell running for president who wants, he's so angry about a, a school shooting, which you have the right to be angry about, please don't get me wrong. But now he wants to tell me I can't protect my own kids. Like, that's what he's saying, and I'm sorry, I can't go down that road with well, you. Well, then I can't you can vote for you. Kamala Harris, who owns a gun. And, and did you hear Kamala Harris said that if there is no gun legislation, if she's president on her desk within the first hundred days, she'll executive order the thing? Well, that's not, that's lovely and dictatorial of you. So she can have a gun, but yeah. the rest of us cannot. And she can engage in executive order about guns, but, but Donald Trump, just because they don't like him, he can't have an executive order about anything whatsoever. There was a shooting in a synagogue in San Diego. One person dead, three per people injured. According to NBC San Diego, there was an off-duty U.S. Border Patrol agent who was in the synagogue in a place called Poway, P-O-W-A-Y. And if he wasn't there, he opened fire on the shooter. The shooter ran. The, the attack would have been much worse. I have argued on my radio shows for years, called out rabbis by name. I'm Jewish. Called out clergy. By, Wait, what? Uh, it's a true story. Called out clergy. If your pastor, if your religious leader says you can't carry a firearm in your place of worship, do you have to quit or you have to replace that clergy member. All places of worship are soft targets from beginning to end. But one of the expressions that gets used, Cam, and you've heard this many times, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. How is this not like the single most incredible proof of concept to the idea that if we, if we disarm the law-abiding, the, the ramifications are drastic to a way that we cannot comprehend? Well, and, and keep in mind, too, San Diego is a, you know, California's gun laws are kind of weird, so they've got their concealed carry laws, but it's contingent on what county you live in as to whether or not you're going to be able to actually get a concealed carry license. San Diego is one of those counties where you have to demonstrate what's called good cause, and I want to carry a gun for self-defense is not considered good cause, right? So you have to be able to document some sort of specific ongoing threat against your life in order for you to get a concealed carry license. So thank God there was this off-duty Border Patrol officer there because that's basically what you're reliant on in a county like San Diego. You are reliant on law enforcement who can carry on duty, who, who also can carry off-duty. But uh, you know the average civilian is going to be disarmed. So you know a, a synagogue or a church in San Diego... It can't just be that they, you know, want to have armed parishioners or they want to have armed congregants. They're going to have to depend on, you know, the quote-unquote professionals to show up there to worship in order to protect, you know, their fellow parishioners, their fellow congregants. And and, and I, I'm with you, Tony. Look, I think that if you want to have the option, if you as a pastor say, look, I don't want to have uh, that, uh, that, that armed presence, okay, that's your decision. But what bothers me is that we no. actually have no. Well, listen. What bothers me is that we have states that that actually do not allow you to make that decision. They say no. You are absolutely there's a blanket prohibition on on concealed carry inside houses of worship, and I don't get that. Well, uh, I don't understand why we have uh, the left going on and on about a separation of church and state 
when it comes to issues of religion going into schools, but then the state can turn around and tell a house of worship that they cannot allow firearms within their walls. To me, that's it's an interesting take. No, no, I think it's an interesting point that, that you make. In Indiana, there is now uh, a law that is on the governor's desk. Uh, he's going to sign it. Which says, because what happens is there are schools attached to places of worship. So that means that you're not allowed to bring your firearm. And I want to say, I'm on the record, I've said this many times, that is not a law that should be listened to in any of the 50 states. You should absolutely carry your firearm into a synagogue, absolutely into a church. You should absolutely protect yourself, even if there's a school there. These are, these are soft targets. You should engage in that act of civil disobedience to protect yourself. And I will take the hit, guys. I, come, come talk to me. Come at me. I believe this to my soul. In Indiana, the law on the governor's desk now says that you can bring your firearm into a place of worship, even if it has a school, unless that place of worship decides no. So the government is taking themselves out of the equation, which is really all I can ask for. Because now when the church decides no guns, I can quit. And I'm telling you right now, if your rabbi or your pastor or your reverend or whatever, what I don't know what the other names are, says you can't bring a firearm, fire that person or quit. And there, there is, there is no accepting it. Why the you are? It, don't I'm not happy that you're at risk, but I have known that I'm at risk in a synagogue my whole life because my father, at synagogue, wasn't. He's not the most religious man, but if he went to synagogue, there was a there was a gun in his talis bag. That's the prayer shawl that Jews wear mm-hmm. uh, in his talis bag. Every single time, I think in my bar mitzvah, <laughs> he did that as well. Oh God, yes. God, can we get pictures of your bar mitzvah? I need to talk to your mother. Only if you can learn how to say bar mitzvah. What's a bar mitzvah? Only if you can say bar mitzvah. I'm learning. Yeah, you're you're getting there. <laughs> You're, you're getting that's April D. Gregory, by the way. She's available for, for her bar button. It says, oh, yeah, she'll DJ the whole thing. I think you have to. I, I, can't, I can't abide by the idea that somehow my, my, my religious leader is going to say, no, don't protect yourself. And I'm going to be like, oh, okay, we'll just leave it in the hands of God. If I was leaving it in the hands of God, he wouldn't have built a 9 millimeter. Well, I think that this is, you know, look, not only does this apply to synagogues and other houses of worship, but I think this applies to any other soft target that you want to talk about. You know, and the fact of the matter is these sanctuaries may be more at risk, uh, but in any soft target, what you're talking about is when somebody comes in with murderous intent, you are reliant on that first responder in order to stop that threat, right? So where's that first responder going to come from? Is it going to come from inside that building? Is it gonna, are you going to have to wait 6, 7, 10, 12, 14 minutes for law enforcement to arrive, right? And, and, and who on earth would rather wait 14 minutes knowing you know, that every 15 seconds, every 10 seconds, another shot is being taken? Stephen Williford from Sutherland Springs was uh, here in Indianapolis this oh, week. God. Oh, so the, the, the church shooting, and, and he basically ran into the shooter, and he happened to have, well, he had an AR-15 on him. Absolutely. Well, he's across the street in his house, and he's taking a nap, and he his daughter runs in and says, you know, Dad, I can hear, what, what are these noises? And he said he could hear the booms, and he could, you know, see the, the windows rattling, and he said he knew every time he heard that sound, that was another one of his neighbors being shot. Right. And so he grabbed his AR-15 and he ran barefoot across the street, screaming and yelling. And, you know, the shooter heard the noise from outside, ran outside the church, thinking that uh, he was going to be engaged in law enforcement, and instead engaged Stephen Williford. 
And, and you know, so again, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a matter of life and death. Every second matters. And so the question becomes, why do you want to wait? Why do you want to wait defenseless for, for law enforcement to arrive so as opposed to sitting next to somebody who's a concealed carry holder, sitting next to somebody who's a responsible gun owner who could very well save your life? That's Cam Edwards, E-D-W-A-R-D-S, Cam Edwards, on, on the Twitter box, uh, podcast, 40 Acres and a, and a Fool. So the question, April D, is how is this political? How is the idea of going home alive political? Because it is. We're at, we're at this basic concept. We're, we're, San Diego, the shooting at the, the, the synagogue, it's called the Chabad, uh, in, in, in Poway, just happened over the last few hours. One person is dead. We know that it was an off-duty uh, Border Patrol agent who was able to stop the shooter. How is this a political conversation in America? Now, I think it's because people see school shootings and they see it as a, as a, as a different thing. It's, I'm a believer in arming teachers. I'm a believer in, you know, in, in, in doing that subject. Only if the teacher wants to be armed. I don't believe in paying teachers extra for, for, you know, for being armed. I think that leads to a whole multiplicity of, of massive issues. We've politicized going home alive. What? How do you, how do you, I mean, you're someone who believes in being armed. How do you explain this to other people? People you talk to, people you run into, people who engage you on social media, April D. Gregory. Right. Um, you know, I had my own personal experience once where I was violently assaulted, and I uh, called 911, and it took them over 20 minutes. I was on hold with 911 for, uh, on hold. April? Waiting for somebody to answer for five minutes, and then 911 answered. And obviously, I live in one of the biggest cities in America, not in the middle of the country, and it still took 20 minutes for, and I didn't have a gun on me, it took 20 minutes for the police to arrive. And they just, they just chill. They slowly pulled up, no sirens on or anything. I got to stop you. Anyway. I've known you for a few years. Fingers Malloy has known you longer than I have. The look Fingers Malloy just gave you, because we do this podcast for a year now. We've known you for years. Mm -hmm. Neither one of us ever heard that before. Um, or probably they have. Probably Fingers has. He was probably just surprised I was talking about it. It's not something I talk about, but I'm obviously talking about it right now. But that's why you need to be on. So that was it. That was the look, fingers. You're like, holy cow! This cigar is fantastic. <laughs> but anyway, the reason why it's political is because it's a it's emotional. It, it, it that's why people can make, you know, that's why it's political, right? They can make and they can make money on it. It's it's a, it's a money making. Well, I think also I think also too. There's this. There there really is among some people this attitude of well, why can't we just get rid of the guns? Right? If we just got rid of the guns, then this wouldn't be a problem. The problem with that is you can't just get rid of stuff, whether it's, you know, drugs, guns, anything you want to ban, you can ban them, but that doesn't make them go away, right? And so they don't want to have that difficult conversation about how to actually effectively, how on earth you would try to effectively rid the United States of 400 right, and million firearms. I think they firearms. understand that that's not possible. You know, you still have... I don't think... I don't think I, you know, there's I, plenty I think of things that are... I think some of them really just want yeah, it to be they, true. They want it to be true, but there's... 
realistically, we can all say, oh, there's plenty of things that are illegal that you can still get. You can still get cocaine. I mean, there's you can't get yeah. rid of all you, of it. You just don't hire the unicorn that's keeping prostitution and illegal drugs off the street because that unicorn's doing a horrible job. But the thing is, like you're saying, if you, you if you ban all guns tomorrow, you have to have someone go confiscate those guns, A, which would be a bloodbath. But, and then B... You'll have this huge black market and a, a southern border that none of the people that want to have guns banned want to see patrolled at all. So the problem is not going to be eliminated. It's just going to create a huge black market. So this is the whole idea of you can't legislate morality, which every, every election cycle, they try that again and again. And especially in this one, I mean, when we talk about... I think the political right tries it in, in certain ways. I'll give you a great example. I am a pro-life guy. But I don't think you can, you can win the conversation about abortion via legislation. It has to be won via culture. That's how you have to do it. It's that there, there is... I don't think I'm ever going to get America to ban abortion. But if I can get America... To not think it's sacrosanct or not think that it's somehow the single most important issue, limit it. Okay, I'll take the I'll take what I can get, even if people want to strive for for something more. How, why? Where is the win? And the answer, by the way, is money. There are people who really believe you can legislate morality. You can legislate these things. And if you just got rid of the AR-15, Cam, you wouldn't have any more dangers in the world. And by the way, if, if you would, if you wouldn't mind, people don't even know what the bloody hell an AR-15 is because they still use the term assault weapon. And right. every time they do, I just, my head to the desk, it's insane. Describe it. So an AR-15 stands for Armalite. 15, which is the designation for the, uh, the the Armalite rifle that was invented in 1957, been around since Elvis, predates the Beatles, right? But what they're talking about are semi-automatic rifles, basically every semi-automatic rifle. So we're not just talking about AR-15s. We're talking about the most commonly sold rifles in America today. And look, you, you can try to legislate morality, but as Finger said, then you get into the enforcement. And I would say that if you, in order to try to effectively enforce a ban on, you know, all firearms or even try to effectively enforce a ban on all semi-automatic long guns, ultimately you're going to have a government acting far more immoral than the millions of Americans who legally and lawfully own these firearms. Yeah. Right? I'm a believer in that. Yeah. So, you know, but again, they don't want to have that conversation. But it is. But AR-15 is a platform. And when they, when they call it an assault weapon, they call it a military-style weapon. That's the, that's the term you always hear. If you're in the military, is, if I have nothing else, I'll take it with me. But is that what you really want in combat? And God forbid that we, you know, send our men and women of the military uh, off to fight with semi-automatic firearms only, right? But also, look, here's the thing. You can go back through U.S. history. In, in 1776, what was a military-style rifle, right? It was, it was a rifle. Uh, in, in the you know, 1870s, what was a military-style rifle? It was a military-style weapon. We've been talking about revolvers. 
you would have been talking about lever action rifles, right? And, and and now those are the types of guns that supposedly we're all allowed to own. But if the if there were a gun control movement in the 1870s, they would have been trying to ban repeating rifles. So I, I don't think that you know it's an argument that doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. But it's not based on logic. It's not based on reason. It is based on pure emotion. And nobody, and that's not where the argument is. Because we all, we all are on the same page of, you know what, that, can I curse on this podcast? Oh, April You D. just Gregory. can't say shit is all I'm told. Ah, okay. what I'm told. Okay. Go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> you know, we all agree that that, mm-mm, uh, in uh, California today right is a monster that's 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 not we all agree that i think he should have been put down i, I think even a gun control advocate would have said yeah i wish this guy had been had not left that synagogue alive i think most gun control advocates would say that that's not where the argument lies the argument lies in what's the most effective way to help make us safer what's the most effective way to help prevent these crimes from from happening and and what you just talked about tony having that armed response having you know religious leaders who say yes i want my flock to be protected that, to me, is the most effective, pragmatic way of ensuring people's safety rather than trying to come up with some sort of plan or policy to, you know, again, go after 400 million firearms to try to negate the Second Amendment, to try to, uh, you know, eradicate lawful gun culture in the United States. That, that's a big, heavy lift. It's a lot easier of a lift to say, hey, you know what, let's just make sure that these houses of worship, that these soft targets aren't as soft as they were last week. All right, stop banging on the table while you're making points. <laughs> Don't you think part of the problem, too, when it comes to the gun control debate is there is so much ignorance in this country about firearms in general that that feeds the beast? Like you're talking about people who frame a narrative that these are assault weapons and and of semi-automatic weapons, and, 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 and then there are a lot of people that don't know what a semi-automatic weapon is, and they just see this AR-15, and they're like, oh, that's a scary-looking rifle. I bet someone could take that into a school and just hold the trigger down and throw out a, a hundred rounds in, in less than a minute. People in this country, and unfortunately, a lot of them happen to be lawmakers, don't have the knowledge necessary to even debate this issue. I agree with that. Um, and the sad thing is they don't want that knowledge in many cases, right? I, I, look, I, I'm ignorant about all kinds of things, but I'm not opposed to learning. And the thing that And you don't run around we, spouting your mouth about well, things you're ignorant about, right? That's true. I, mean, I, I try not to. I'm sure, that I, I'm sure that I do on occasion, but... but Doesn't but, stop me. But, 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 well, but you know, again, we know that. I, I would like to learn more about right. the things that I don't know about. Right. And, and, you know, you've got these lawmakers who... They have no desire to talk to gun owners. They have no desire to learn about this issue. They have no desire to, to, to know what they... All they know is how they feel, and that's enough for them. And sadly, it's enough for their constituents in many cases. They don't benefit politically as politicians from actually learning about this issue. And, and I, don't know, the, I don't know what we do about that. That's where the grift comes in, Tony. That's what I was trying to get at earlier, and I was waiting for you to jump in with it. Yeah. I mean, it's, okay. about the, it's about the money. Do we have it's another hot, grift minute? It's a hot money and topic. And now your grift minute. With fingers more. There are many think tanks, there are many PACs, there are many politicians who don't want this issue solved because whenever there is a shooting, the fundraising letters get sent out before the bodies even assume room temperature. And that's what I find disgusting about this as well, is that we aren't coming together and trying to figure out, okay, how can we limit gun violence in a constructive way? There are too many people that are raising money off of this issue. Now, let me give you something we can at least agree on. 
which is the Casa Cuba cigar that we're smoking. I'm just now Fantastic. getting into the second third. First, we've been having, I mean, this has been a kind of intense conversation, but we've been smoking as we go. This burn is slow. It is. And I mean, really compared to many other cigars, last week we did the La Volcada from La Flor Dominicana, which is a flavor profile I like a little bit more than this one. It's not that this is bad. I enjoyed that flavor profile more. It was a it was a faster cigar. This is slow. I actually checked to see maybe if it was wrapped too tight or something else. That's not it. It's just a slower burn. It's a, it's a much more, almost a concentrated burn. The pepper on this is is unbelievable how it has continued to actually build. Sometimes you get used to it and it dissipates. Not happening. It is actually building, but it's not It's not painful. It's not problematic, but it's there. So if you ever wondered what is what is peppery taste like, you got to try the cigar, the Casa Cuba cigar. You can get it at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana, blendbarcigar.com. They're in Nashville. They're in Houston. They're in Pittsburgh. Uh, ask your local tobacconist uh, if, if, if they have it. Um, but everything I said about full body, is it's it's true. This is a full-bodied cigar. There's a lot of talk in a couple of reviews about citrus uh, kind of flavors that uh, come, come out uh, of this. Uh, that uh, almost you know, we've, we've talked about cigars that have that grass and hay kind of feel, which you get more out of the Dominicans for me than you will out of the Nicaraguan kind of cigars. I don't actually get that. The pepper is everywhere, but it's it's everywhere, but it's not overwhelming. And I don't know how to properly describe that to you. I don't know how to how to explain that one in full. Um, like, I'm going to be another hour before I get to the final third. So I don't know what I'm going to get at that point. But wouldn't you agree that if you weren't uh, a person that likes or, or if, if you dislike a, a, a cigar that has that peppery spice to it, you're probably not going to like the cigar? Okay, I'm not some... So, you're, yes, right? If, if that's a flavor profile that doesn't work for you, I would avoid the smoke altogether. It's not that it's a bad smoke. It's that it's everywhere. So it, if you want to experience, hey, I want to know what that's like, this is the cigar to do it with. If it's not your thing, and you're like, I don't want to spend my 12 to $14 that way, don't do it. Don't do it. That is not a knock on the cigar. Like this is, I would prefer this on a more humid day. If you, I feel that way about sun-grown cigars, which are always more peppery. On a humid day, a sun-grown cigar, really, it matches the mood in, in a lot of ways. But the wine we were doing was the Park Ridge. What was it called? The Park Ridge? Wait. Does, Pine Ridge. Pine Ridge. Sorry. Not, I could see how this works. I can see how those two things kind of kind of work together. And I could see how there are certain reds that you could pick that have those kinds of peppery uh, um, kind of overtones. Um, uh, you know, there's some higher end uh, kind, kind of wines that can do that. That would match beautifully. And rarely am I a wine drinker with a cigar. But you can actually... This is one you could pair, right? I don't. I feel. I since I'm usually doing it with bourbons, I, I go that way. Um, but I wouldn't pair this, for example, with. We often talk about the Long Branch, which is Matthew McConaughey's uh, uh, bourbon, which is a very sweet. You can't bourbon. put that on your bingo card because we talk about it enough. Right? No, it's, it's, no, it's, it's on. It's, it's the center square for your bingo card. It is. Um, I, I wouldn't do that with this. I wouldn't go like sweet to go with the, 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 the spicy and stuff like that. But I would. I would stick with something that was peppery. This is a cigar to match with wine. This is really. Really, something else. But no, really if you don't like peppery, man, front, don't saying. do it. And I think you're you're spot on about it not being um, an ideal cigar for a golf course. While I while I like the fact that it is an easy draw, 
it I've is struggled with it. And it's it. a great price range. It's, but it, yeah, you're right, and it's and I haven't had to re- relight it at all. It's stayed. Uh, There's just too much happening. Yep. And on a golf course, you want to be able to enjoy the cigar. You don't want to have to deal with the intricacies as much. So no, it's not a golf. You're, uh, that's a great way to look at it. You gotta be. You gotta have time. You really gotta have time because it, it, it's okay. I say peppery. Let me try and explain it a little bit further. There's like there's like two or three things going on at the same time. There is a flavor to the front of the tongue, and there's a flavor on the back of your palate. They're different, and that okay. So if if you want to know if the, the the whole idea of hay and grass, that's still on the tip of the tongue, but it's still a spice. And then there's this almost richness that's going on on the back. Really, it's it's something else. But it, I could see this being totally overpowering to people. Totally overpowering in in every a single way. Now, a, cu- a couple of things. Um, certainly want to know your thoughts on on some of these things. And we post uh, the podcast on our Facebook page, Eat, Drink, Smoke, facebook.com slash eat, drink, smoke. We want you to comment on that. Like, I want to hear what people think about these things. Very often those comments make it to the radio shows, and then we're able to talk about it and kind of get an idea where other people are. I get that firearms are one of those issues that get people's emotions going. I, I only hope we're able to discuss it in a way where it's more honest about how we, we, we feel about the idea of protection, you know, than the idea of, well, maybe you could change this gun policy or that gun policy if, if, if that's the way you want to go. I just believe I want to go home. I want to go home. I want my kids to go home. That's what I want. Absolutely. I, I, and, and I'm still amazed that we can't agree on that. I'm amazed. Do you think part of this is tribalism, too? That, yes. I, I mean, so much of it is, oh, my side is against guns, so I have to be against guns, or my side is for guns, so I have to be for guns. That's what my team roots for, and that's part of the problem, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If, if I... And, and the, 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 the reason that works is that what they'll tell you is, if you somehow differ, then you can no longer be a part of, of the whole team, well, right? You have to agree on 100% of the things... Otherwise, you get excommunicated from the political party or whatever it is. There was an op-ed in the USA Today uh, by a gentleman. I believe it was uh, Funt. I can't remember his first name. Part of uh, uh, the old Candid Camera show. I believe it was his son. Alan Funt? Alan Funt? It was his son. Bobby? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just assume that's his it was, that's it a was, kid's name. It was a font. Jim and, Bob? And, yeah. It Jim was Bob a font. font. And he wrote Related this op-ed Cougar. in the Cougar. USA Today saying that Big Kamala Cougar. Harris owned a firearm that disqualifies her in his mind to be a candidate for president mm, of the United that. States. I saw that. Yep. Really? Proving, proving, proving the point. It. That's That's incredible. So leave a comment. Facebook.com slash smoke. Uh, and uh, our sponsors, Horse Soldier Bourbon, uh, and you go to AmericanFreedomDistillery.com, Fanimation, uh, Fanimation.com. Find April D. Gregory on Twitter, April D. Gregory. Fingers Malloy Radio on Facebook is where you find him. And find me, uh, Tony Catch Radio, on Facebook. You'll find everything there. Uh, and, uh, and subscribe on iTunes. By the way, you want a crazy, quick, crazy story? Sure. Yes. I'm on Fox News this morning. I'm on, I'm on Fox and Friends. And the NRA convention was in town, so I was talking about that, President Trump's speech, and Joe Biden 2020, and how he's trying to make this play to the Midwest. And I, I, he was talking about we need to restore the dignity of work. And my point was dignity comes from having a job, and there are a lot of jobs right now, and people looking for people to take jobs right now. When you have a job, when your kid has jobs, 
has a job, you feel dignified, right? So the idea of dignity of work, I don't know where he's going with this. I think that's all soundbite. And so I was having this conversation. And at the end of it, I'm being interviewed by Pete Hegseth and Jedediah Bila. And Pete Hegseth, all of a sudden, we're wrapping up. I think we're done, right? It's a satellite thing. I'm in the studio in Indianapolis there in New York. And he goes, so what's with this Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast? Right there on the show nice. this morning. So, uh, Eat, Drink, Smoke, as heard on Fox News. <laughs> now, if I can get CNN and MSNBC to do it, that's called the oh, trifecta. Of, we'll try. We will try. Subscribe on iTunes. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. <laughs>